there, Tuong with Hand Therapy Secrets, and welcome to my show. I am here every week to showcase to you a story of therapists that are breaking into hand therapy and making waves, and also to share with you other specialties that can really help support us in hand therapy world, and even tips that you can use and skills that you can use right away. So today, what I wanna share with you is my friend Aaron. He is a physical therapist in Jacksonville, and he specializes in functional manual therapy treatments. And he's gonna share with you some great things you can start doing right away with shoulder types of injuries and share his story, how he works very collaboratively with other occupational therapists in his area. Enjoy the show. Hey, Erin, so wonderful to have you on the, this show is all about connecting occupational therapists or physical therapists who want to specialize and hand and upper extremity to other therapists to learn different techniques. And I'm really excited to talk to you today because you are specialized in something very specific and I want to let other OTs and PTs know about it. So tell us a little bit about you and what you do, where you work. Hey, thanks for having me on. Again, my name is Aaron Robles. I have a clinic here, I'm a physical therapist and I'm in Jacksonville, Florida, and I actually got three locations now. What I am certified manual therapist in mobilization through the Institute of Physical Art. And what we do is take the principles of PNF and develop a dynamic treatment and evaluation approach with using those principles for manual therapy to get hands-on, to get to the root of the problem faster. So for me, it really fit my brain and my hands well, and it's really made me successful in trying to get to the root of the problem, not just the diagnosis when patients come in. And how long have you been specialized, should I say? I was, I've been a therapist for over 25 years now, and probably in 24 and a half of those, I was training to be where I am now. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. And PT and school, I, I had the direction of, I knew I was good with my hands because all my classmates were asking me to help them. And I was like, okay. wait yeah. a second. I don't know anything more than you guys. We're classmates. And they're like, no, yeah. we can't do what you can do. We can't yeah. feel that. So I sought out what kind of treat training I could do that really fit my hands and my brains. Okay. So that's such a great, important point. So you knew that you were good with something and then you pick something where you could enhance that exactly am i hearing you okay yeah because i think that's important for people to hear because sometimes people want to be good at everything but sometimes when you do too much you you in a way water it down but you specifically knew you were really good with hands-on type of stuff techniques and so you you sought that out did you find a mentor or did you taking classes yeah, it started with a, a PT. We had an adjunct PT instructor at my PT school. She was Maitland-based, a lot of joint mobilization. So she took me and another therapist under my under the wing and showed us how to do those kind of things. Okay. From there, then I knew, I was like, all right, this is what I want, how I want that, to do That's what you like. So I'm really excited to have you show some of the things that you do in your clinic. How did you get connected to occupational therapists in your area? There's actually, it ended up being a patient of mine. And now it's a patient slash friend. We got really close there. Aren't OTs the best people to be friends with, Aaron? They're just so social. <laughs> We're so much more fun. I try to tell all the PTs that I meet. I'm kidding. <laughs> 
we started, she, she started having, she came to me for neck issues. Yes. And she had a long history of shoulder issues, but she's, when she first came in, she said, just don't touch my shoulder. And of course me, I'm like, if you have an issue, let me see it. You know, kind of, <laughs> How can I, I get to the root cause of I your know, problem? Exactly. <laughs> I had to gain her trust, but then through that, she said she's had bad experiences in the past with other therapists. PTN. She didn't want to have anybody touch it. As a therapist, she knew, you know, just, you have to prove it to me. And she's after the first visit, she's like, all right, can you check my shoulder out? And from there, she just was like a sponge. She was like, okay, what are you doing there? How do you do that kind of thing? And she incorporated a lot of the principles and because she could have empathy now for her patients. Wow, this is going to hurt, but this is going to help you feel better. Yes. <laughs> Let me ask you, how difficult is it to treat another therapist? For myself, it's the hardest part is just, I have to tell them often, I said, okay, let me be the therapist because they'll tell me, okay, but my bothering me right here. It's this, it's this escape forward and it's not extending and, and it's not letting me remember. Uh, yeah. Let me to see what's happening. Yes. That, <laughs> what, working what with other therapists <laughs> is so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. But you also, because I've worked with other therapists, whether they're OTs or PTs or speech therapists, um, they have a tendency to, they have a tendency to maybe come in a certain way. But let me ask you, do you also have a tendency to think of them in a certain way? When uh, therapists come in? Yes, because you, we can't help but make assumptions sometimes, or you're a therapist, you make assumptions that they know certain things, wouldn't you say? Yeah, there's things like uh, I learn to, you know, what assume, right? Right, <laughs> we're not supposed well. to assume. We're not <laughs> supposed to assume, but let's be honest, we're human yeah. beings. I went through. So I, the good news is I treat everyone whether I have, because I have a lot of doctors in town as well as patients, and I treat Those them. Those are worse right. too. No, I'm kidding. They are terrible because they can't get in. They can't get in. You only have one shot at them typically. But once oh, and you... Then, and once you combine them, like what I find, once you get past, okay, they think they have insight, but once I find things on them, like, well, I didn't even know that bothered me. I didn't know that hurt. I didn't know that was an issue. So once I get into the treatment wise, then they're like a regular patient. So that right. doesn't take long yeah. to transform that. So yeah. It's the, they change the, their the, mindset as well. <laughs> that first visit. <laughs> exactly. Very cool. So yes, yeah, so the OT became your friend. She was your patient. She became your friend. Exactly. So she's so she was really able to really expand her treatment when she's just took a lot of principles that she learned from me just from our treatments. Yes. So, and then if they go advanced, she's oh you got to go see Aaron. So she will she'll transfer her patients over to me to get over all the hard things and okay. So, and then we'll take it from there. So she has a new grad OT that. I was just shadowing her over the last month and he's like, how do you know how to do all these things? Just let me tell you who. And then she says, can we set this up where I could show, see how he does things? And we're trying to, for brainstorming how to do it. And she was thinking, well, can you do a treatment on me and have him observe? And that's how it started. We started from that to, we taught, told a couple other OTs in our work and soon it was like two more, three more and ended up being- Before you like, knew it, you had a workshop, a workshop. class, <laughs> a therapist. Yeah. And it was a great hit. It was very successful. I started with giving them some kind of basics with just manual therapy. 
okay. kind of some things I'd like to share with you guys today. Yes, so please. So that the therapists that are watching, believe it or not, it's so funny, but obviously I do speak to majority occupational therapists, occupational okay. therapist assistants and stuff like that. But there's a lot of PTs, that a small portion of PTs that do reach out to me because they want to specialize in hand therapy too. And then within our own, like ne my network of PTs that I know, they've some, sometimes when there's like little issues with like hand stuff, they've reached out to me too. So I think it's a great space to share knowledge and techniques. Yeah. Oh yeah. True. So show us who's your model there. Woohoo. Oh, this is Mark. <laughs> hey, Mark. Here. So I recruited him to help us out. And Haley's our camera woman behind the scenes here. She'll be moving us around. <gasps> Haley, that's my daughter's name. I love that name. <laughs> All right, steady Haley. That's how I talk to my daughter. I turn on her stern voice. Steady, it's no. <laughs> steady now, Haley. <laughs> I'm kidding. Let me start with, give you a couple principles here with manual therapy. So the first one is, like I alluded to, I naturally had a, the skill man, which I didn't even know I had until it was compared to my other classmates. So that's when I sought it out further. First thing everybody has to know, you have, you have to understand that it is a skill, but it is a skill that needs to be worked on and can be improved upon. So even if you don't have the natural density to feel it at first, you have to first understand that there you can, and it is possible to do. And once you do it, then you could actually work on it and feel it. Number one thing, manual therapy, here's the first principle, is what you're doing with is infield. So if you could think infield, that's why I tell all my, if I have yes. PT students or come in town or in the classes I teach, if I ask you a question, if you answer infield, it's going to be 99%. But what we're <laughs> going to talk about is infield. Because okay, you can't perfect. really feel what's wrong. You know what's wrong to really feel it, in my opinion. Yes. So every joint in the body, no matter where it is, whether it's mechanical and to joint-wise, articular surfaces, or soft tissue mechanical issues, you should have a springy end feel. So that's what you want to make sure that all things, if you have no clue what's going on, especially with the wrist, with all the things going on in there, if you just poke around and you say, that is springy, springy, and that's hard, there's a dysfunction. And that's where you start. You don't even have to know what's going on with it. You don't have to Wait a second, Aaron. Some directions, there's going to be a hard end feel, though. It's majority springy, but some are hard end feels, wouldn't you say? No, I beg to differ. All the joints, even in the elbow, this is where the elbow is a true hinge joint. It yes. is springy. If, it, if the joint okay. is moving in an efficient state, even though this is going to be a bone and bone situation, yes. it will be springy at the end field if it's okay. moving efficiently. Okay, perfect. Oh, you that's see how I, I like that? <laughs> I'd like to challenge you. Okay, that's I good. I liked it too. Mark was like, oh, here he goes. <laughs> <laughs> Marketing should be able to answer all these things. Now, the main thing, I'm going to teach you guys something else. This is basically the three principles of all manual, all therapists, actually. So occupational and physical therapy. This, If you guys know this, you will know more than 99% of other therapists out there. We treat the three things in our professions, okay? We treat mechanical dysfunctions. We treat neuromuscular dysfunctions and motor control dysfunctions, okay? If you understand you, we do those three, 
that will give you a concept that that's how you get a person to the root of the problem, get the person better faster as well. Because mechanical is any kind of movement that is limited or just deficient. Right. Muscular is whether you have a strength or a flexibility issue and or endurance issue that you want to get to. Right. And the motor control is can you move it when you need it? Right. So yeah. often give the example of having a soccer team. So if you could think of it this way, so the difference is like a soccer team requires 11 people per team. So mechanical issues like two of your players got lost on the way to the field and so now you're nine on 11. Right. Can you function? Yes. Can you function well? No, you're hampered because you don't have everything there. You don't have all your facilities. So the neuromuscular end is you have all 11 on the field. They all made it there. But they also have no dribbling skills, they can't shoot, they have no strength, and they really have no endurance. They can barely run across the field. So when you get to motor control issues, you have 11 players on the field. They're all excellent skilled. They can go through every drill, every possibility. They have all the strength. They could run all day long. The only problem is they don't know their positions. You have the goalkeeper running down after the ball on the other side of the field and nobody's protecting Goal, yeah. and nobody knows how to play defense or offense and that's right. where we have to incorporate those three principles and that's our pillars of our treatments I and that we can get to the root of the problem so much faster yeah I love your analogy <laughs> okay. I love it yeah. that's awesome okay so what I'm going to use mark for so one of the main things for manual therapy so once you get to understand this is and feel is it's important with the tactile cueing that you give patients. So if you've taken NDT or any PNF, you'll understand some of this. And what we're going to show you, okay? With Mark, I'm going to raise it up a little bit. Okay, so if you can see here, Mark is right-handed. Okay, even though he's my example, he doesn't know what I'm doing and tell what to do. Okay, so he's a little bit higher. Okay, so you can see this. So what I'm going to do is, Mark, I want you to hold your hand there. I'm going to try to pull down any problems with your shoulder issues. No. Any no. excuses you're going to have. Okay. I don't think so. All right. So now I'm going to have him hold here. So this is one of my pre-post tests. I always pre and post test my patients. One of the things I want to show you is this. Hold it there. Don't let me pull you down. And come on, Mark. Are you serious? Is that all you got? This, everybody's watching. That's pretty bad. He's not a good example. Or he is a really good example. Okay. Now. I'm going to show you the principle, which is unintended. We'll see if it happens. Look up your hand. Put your weight into your left foot. Push down and look up your hand. Now don't let me pull you down. And now he's a lot stronger. Okay, that was an unintended PNF principle I wanted to show you. But it's about the pattern. Now don't look at your hand, Mark. Okay, now hold it there. And he can't do it. He has nothing. So he's missing unless he consciously engages his to help protect him, he can't hold his shoulder up there. That's not what I was trying to teach you today. Let me show you something else. Hold it up, look it up there, hold it there, don't let it down. So he has it. Don't change a thing. Keep looking out there. This, now what I'm going to do is different. Hold it there, don't let it down. And again, he's weak. But he's looking at your hand this time. Hold it there. He's now looking at your hand. So what was the difference? Yeah, I don't know if you can see it. A little bit higher. I don't know if I can see it. So my, can you see my hand here? Huh? A whole circumferential tactile sense to him and he can't hold it but if right. i just put my surface oh on, okay then he was able to i hold it there he has it there it was a very important our tactile sense so we want to make sure if we're trying to find weakness in a patient 
that it's actually in the patient and not us. Not in our, yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. So another thing here is this. So for testing the shoulder muscles, and he's just weak here, we want to isolate the shoulder muscle groups that actually his weakness. Okay, hold it there, Mark, don't we push down. Again, my tactile sense is here. If I push my down, he's strong. If I just wrap my fingers down, push down, and he's a lot weaker. Yeah. So make sure we pushing the intended motion. Even if I say, you know, push down, Mark. And I push down, even my tactile and verbal sense, verbal cues are contradicting each other. He's yes. going to go with my tactile sense. That yes. Sense? Yeah. So now, if I say, hold it there, he's strong. If I put my hand on his deltoid, which is holding there, and test him again, he stays the same. It really doesn't yeah. help. I put my hand on his scapular stabilizers, okay, which is here and back. Now hold it there, Mark. And now he's weak, okay? So what happened? What does that mean, okay? So when I put my hand on a muscle group here, he's in the deltoids, he's strong. If I put on the scapula, he's weak. So it may seem that it's a scapular stabilizer, it's not the deltoids. But if I put my hand on a muscle, we want to do, we're adding another tactile sensation to that to help enhance that traction. So if I'm putting my hands on his deltoids and he can hold it, this is his weakness. Okay? okay. I'm putting it on his scapula and pushing down, and it doesn't make a difference, then it's not a scapula. And that's the basis of a tape. If you know all the K-tape, yeah. it's that add that tactile cueing yes. initiate that muscle. So it's working yeah. with the hands. So you can initiate that as well to figure out where is his weakness into where it is. Putting your hand on there. If they're stronger with your hand on there, that is the muscle that you have to target for strengthening. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the first primary principle. So now with Enfield, no matter whether it's soft tissue or whether it's a joint, it has to be springy. So if it's a springy Enfield, then it moves like it's supposed to. If it's not, like here, this is. is so that's right now is not springy. You feel that? Yeah. And it's in an extension. You could also yeah. do an inflection. And that's what you want to do. Feel yeah. the end feel. So if you can feel the end feel, and you have to understand if you don't have ideas of what that means, is fine and you have to practice that. Every joint, when you go to the end, it should just bounce back, just like yeah. if you were down on a soft surface. It should be bouncing. You shouldn't be like on my desk and pushing yeah, hard. Yeah, it's hard. Do you recommend for people to feel on themselves or feel on a normal joint so that they can get an idea of what that springiness or that right. normal exactly. sensation feels like? That's normally what I do is just test on yourself, see how your joints move or like even your wrist, you should feel it a certain way, or you can test on someone else who quote unquote doesn't have a problem. That way you can learn what normal feels like so that you can know what abnormal feels like. That is a, that's the best point in terms of manual therapy. So yeah. how do you know how many dysfunctions there are? You can't memorize them all, but if you know what it's supposed to feel like, yes. and you know it's not there, then you know right. there's something wrong. You know, you know something is wrong. Even if you don't know how to fix it. <laughs> like, 
that's something wrong there. Your hand ain't supposed to move, Mark. I think you got wrist problems. <laughs> so this is something that to follow up with what you're saying, you could feel with soft tissue on yourself. Yes. So when you push, like if I push to a certain area and I engage my soft tissue myofascial, I should be springy. But you yes. could even see it's hard. I don't know if I could see that. But you could see that I have a little mole here. If I push this way, the mole moves away from me. If I push this way, the mole goes closer to my finger. Yeah. A hard end. So yeah. that's what you're looking for yeah. in the soft tissue. Yeah. Do you have people look around too? Because we work with a lot of people and then we, it's not just where you're pushing, but like around because you're oh, yeah. it's supposed to move and there's a certain amount of tension that's supposed to move everywhere. And when you can see when you're pushing in different directions, like certain spots, if there's a dysfunction, it just doesn't move. Exactly. The way that's the hard end feel. And that's what yeah. you're doing. That's what yeah. you're feeling. So yeah, all yeah. those the soft tissue should be free flowing. Free, yeah. And that's how you isolate the beam motion. If it's moving, if it's moving in this direction, that's what's dysfunctional. And then you could isolate even further. Is it more distally to the left or to the right? Even yes. The hardest end field is the hardest in the most restricted area, and that's what you want to hit first. Yeah. So now the next principle I want to show you, which is this foundational for the shoulder complex, shoulder mm -hmm. joint. The most important motion that you have to engage with the shoulder to get the full mechanical issue because you guys understand the shoulder is the most mobile joint in the body. Obviously, it's going to be the most complicated part because of that, especially through pain in it, is inferior glides. If you could get that articular surface to inferior glide, and that's the first thing I have yet over 25 years to have a patient have any kind of pain or upper cord or dysfunction and not have this issue. So if you could get this issue down, they'll not only impingement, but every other motion in terms other, of yeah. the carpal tunnel syndromes, this affects. Yeah. Okay? So yeah. let me show you how to do this. Okay. Cool. Sit right here in this chair. Put your arm on the shoulder. Can you come over a little bit closer now? So, oh, right there. So now, what I try to do is get the table up. Oh, you so fancy! Look at you with your table up here in this motion. <laughs> body mechanics. It's all about body mechanics. I tell you. So now. What I want to do is take his glenohumeral joint and just glide it in through and feel his end field. If I push straight down, again, I want to get to his end range, that's it, and the spring it. And once it, it should be springy. It's not really springy. It's hard, but not too bad. Mark, what's wrong with you, man? Is Aaron making you work so hard? That <laughs> you're no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. One of the Post-test, pre-test, post-test, I like to do to see if I'm not effective here, is do a passive abduction with the palm down. So relax for me, Mark, let me do it for you. So if I bring him up, I'm gonna feel where the first tension he gets, and it's right about there. So he's about 110, 115, where he's getting tension. I could through it. You could, but you can That's feel the restriction. I wanna feel the first tension that's right there, it's first restriction. Yeah. If I through it, but he's only there. He's only about 125, 130. Yeah. Yeah. That's his my pretest. Obviously, I sh I do active, and then show them the difference between active and passive because they get circumduct and move around that dysfunction, which you don't know. So if I push down, so obviously has a shoulder gland dysfunction. I push straight down. It's hard. I give it a medium 
dysfunction there. But if I push more anteriorly, it's hard. It's much yeah. harder. He doesn't move nothing. I don't know if you can see it. And if I push him posteriorly, he yeah, has to bounce. You can even see it in his body. It's so if you take a look at his shoulder, right? Uh, it's like I always describe that as a clock. So if you're pushing straight down versus like you're pushing a little bit more to, no, you're pushing downward, but instead of it being like six o'clock, you're pushing a little bit more, more five o'clock. Right, exactly. And then so, you're pushing posterior, you're pushing seven or eight o'clock. Correct. So just as a description for everyone who's watching that might not be able to. You're exactly see. right. And that's what I'm doing. First assessing 12 to six, if I'm looking straight yes. at the clock in this motion here. Yeah. He's, he has a moderate, you can see it. He, if I push straight down, there's a lot of moderate restriction here. If I push straight down toward, uh, starting at 12, now I'm going toward 7 o'clock. 7. The inferior glide with a posterior bias. He is much springier. You can actually see his body spring. But if I go now toward 5 o'clock from 12, he has an inferior glide with an anterior bias. He is hard. Yeah. That is yeah. solid. He does nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So the good news is that's easy to find. And yeah. the best news is this is on every patient you're going to have. They're going to have this issue. Otherwise, they wouldn't be seen. Okay, so yeah. now, yeah. the simple treatment with this is I'm going to push them down to that end range. Okay, I'm going to have them there. And then I'm just going to hold that end range. Okay, and we're just going to hold it there. Sometimes that's all you need, just a prolonged hold, and the joint will go. So the principles that we adhere to is we hold it. And if it doesn't move, then we do add some either indirect or direct mobility to get it moving. So direct molding, I just kind of oscillate into that mm -hmm. joint. Do this with every joint in the body, just oscillate to see yeah. if it helps move. Okay. If it's too painful, then you have him do something more indirectly. I could hold it there and say, Mark, take a deep breath on me. As he takes a deep breath, he's actually mobilizing his brain. Into, yeah. I love deep breathing. And they're doing that. They're just thinking, oh, I'm holding my breath. Hey, I could have him also just do an external rotation. Lift your hand up and down off the table for me. We have a little bit of motion. And I could, what I'm feeling for it is that hard end feel improving, and it is. Now it's improving. Now, that's good. So that's more of an indirect pressure. I go back and reassess, and he actually has some motion now. Can you feel the difference, Mark? Yeah. He actually is moving better, and that's all I did. What was that? 30 seconds worth of treatment and he's got yeah. a better glide. So this is something that you could take straight down right now in all your patients and assess it and have them feel better already. So now what I want to do is see how much motion he has. And that is a lot better in terms of just in general, big motion. So I want to retrain that motion because every time you get a new range, we want to train that range or else they'll lose it again. So I asked Mark, hold it. I'm going to push him down to that new range anterior toward five o'clock and say hold it there mark i'm going to switch my hands and don't let me pull you up so now he's going to do a little shaking i don't know if you can see him but he's still shaking because he hasn't activated these muscles in a long time i'm just pulling straight up what i'm doing is just taking my hands and just pulling up careful breaker plexus under here pull down and put him back down hold it there again mark don't let me lift you up again prolonged holes and the best way to initiate and to engage muscles is in prolonged holds, especially if they haven't gotten a while. And then have them do some concentric eccentric work. Let me pull you up slowly, eccentric work. Now pull back down. Let me pull you up an inch more and pull back down. Now pull punch in more 
and pull back down. Now let me pull you all the way up, and pull all the way down. Pull all the way up, and all the way down. Very good, now he has that motion. Because with impingement, you know it has to have that interior glide, inferior yeah, glide, so what we're establishing. Now you mm -hmm. have to establish his reconnection to his brain, to his shoulder, to get those muscles to automatically do that. So with that treatment, I'm gonna reassess his passive range. Let me move you, please. Okay, relax. Until I feel tension. And now it's right here until I feel tension. So it's a lot better. He started at <clears throat> probably 110, 115. Now he's probably about 140 or so. Still hard and feel here, so he needs a little bit more work. But yeah. that is no much here already for his shoulder. And that didn't take long to do, as long as we know what we're targeting. So what my homework for him is, now, because of his shoulder impingement issues, Mark, I want you to think about when you lift the shoulder up, you're supposed to automatically do this, raise it up. You're not doing that. So anytime you're going to raise up, I want you to think about dropping the shoulder and then keep going up further. That makes sense. So do abduction for me. When you get about 110 there, drop your shoulder. There, and keep going. Very good. That's something he has to think about to do first, and then until it's automatic and he can do actually do it without. Cool. Very nice. I appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. Very awesome. I really appreciate you taking all that time yeah. to show all of Mark's dysfunction. For the world to see. <laughs> He's no problem. I got a free treatment. I'm good to go for another two days. No, I'm kidding. No, that's awesome. I really appreciate you sharing a lot of what you know. It's funny because sometimes when we've been doing it for a while, we have our version of saying it, or maybe we do certain things and we don't know why we're doing it. And I think that a lot of what you spoke about today was a great way for people to really remember and think about that. Because sometimes when I'm training my own team and I'm talking about like, where are you touching people? And why? Like, I really like the way you explained that about, because I, I talk about that too. And like hand placement, and you shouldn't be grabbing people and stuff like that. But I really liked how you explained it and really tied into like your specialty, your manual specialty. How can people learn more about your specialty that you've been spending the last 25 years? Oh yeah. On? There's classes that will teach these principles and they're they were founded by Greg and Vicki Johnson, and they're out of Colorado Springs, Steamboat Springs in Colorado. And their organization is called the Institute of Physical Art, and their courses are open to OTs as well as PTs, especially there are several courses that we're actually hosting a course here in three weeks, and it's the upper trunk. So everything from upper trunk, manual techniques, and how to understand a paradigm of how to work on the mechanical, the neuromuscular, and the motor control issues in the same treatment and evaluation approach. And that's what helps with this, with me and my brain, because I can't think about the one, two, three, four. And I was like, you know what? All I can do, I know that's not moving. I know to get it. <laughs> I like that, but simple is sometimes the best. Now, I want to ask you real quick, is this a, I've seen certain manual certifications, right? The one that you're recommending, the one that you've done, is it a series of just classes that you can take over time? Or is it like a certification program where you're taking it 
almost like within a year that gets you certain letters behind your name and stuff like that? Um, that's a good question. This certification is actual. I think they may have changed it because they've expanded the course schedule. But they were, when I took it, there's eight courses you have to take. So if you're taking one, two year, that's going to at least be four years. Yeah, no, it, it takes time to develop specialties. It takes time to develop specialties. And I think that's what people need to realize. It's just not like a one-time wham-bam, thank you, ma'am, type of course. Those courses can be great. Like online courses can be great or very targeted specific courses can be great. But certifications take a lot longer. That are worthwhile for sure. Yeah, but it's worth, it's like one of those things where you can take a series of courses over a period of time to get that specialty. It's the one you did, right? Yes. I studied for over 10 years to make sure I got it now. Yeah. I knew this is the way I wanted to treat. So I wanted to, for myself, see if I've accomplished that level of competency and expertise in this since I wanted to be, this is, again, I said, hey, I'm treating this way no matter what. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think when it comes to becoming a certified hand therapist, we tend to focus a ton more on post-surgical cases versus like non-surgical cases. Now, there's a lot that we do in non-surgical cases, but it's not very targeted specifically to a different, to a particular technique, but more like the background, the biomechanics of how everything moves and how it affects each one of them, but so much of the certification to be specialized in hand therapy is about treating post-surgical and all the versus the non-surgical. But we do a ton of non-surgical here at my clinic too. And I think it's a great way for OTs to to treat because not everyone has surgery. Not everyone needs surgery. And there's a ton of people with upper extremity, upper trunk, upper body types of issues that really need our specialty and there's a lot of different things just like what you said and part of it's you have your observational skills but then you have your tactile skills and then you have your communication skills i tell people all the time what we have to do is we have to enable them to move before we can expect them to move you can't say oh your wrist is weak let's do some exercises but if they can't fully extend they're not going to get the full benefits from those strengthening exercises no for sure absolutely i really thank you i'm going to include your links below so anyone who's interested in finding out more about your clinic and the courses that you recommend to take i'll include all of that in the links below and i hope that in your area you continue to support ot's and potentially even hire an OT one day in all of your clinics. (laughs) You can totally expand into tons of surgical stuff too. I can talk to you about all of that. (laughs) All right. I enjoy enjoy, Thank you very much. What were you going to say? I said I always enjoy the camaraderie with other therapists. And this is where I feel like we could all help each other understand more about getting our patients better faster. Yeah, totally. I believe it. I believe it. Hey, thanks for listening to Huang's World Podcast. If you are brand new to the hand therapy world, head over to my website, www.handtherapysecrets.com, where you can get started with some of our free guides and paid programs for both OTs and PTs diving into the world of hand therapy. 
or if you've been listening for a while, watching on our YouTube channel, and you think you could benefit from developing and moving your career further along in hand therapy, reach out to me and my team at info at handtherapysecrets.com and tell us exactly what you're looking for. By the way, if you know someone who could benefit from today's show, please share. Thanks. See you on the next episode.